Good morning and welcome everybody. You are listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across the Faith FM network, right across Australia. This is the Breakfast Show, Positively Different Radio, and you are with Lyle and... Mon! Good morning, Lyle. Good morning, Mon. How are you going? I'm going great. Yeah, how's that jet lag treating you? Yeah, it's beating me up with a baseball bat, but apart from <laughs> that... Uh, thing. I am sleeping a little bit longer each night, which is great. That's yeah, that's progress. That's progress. It is definite progress. A week in now, so you know. Yeah, speaking. They of say it takes two weeks, you know. Oh, really? Mm-hmm, but fully, how long were you adjust. in America from? Two weeks. Yeah, so just, so I was just fully adjusted, and then I came back. Okay. <laughs> that's gonna be the worst. <sighs> speaking of your trip to America, did you bring me the present I asked you to bring me? What present? <laughs> I texted you twice with pictures. I asked you to bring me Reynolds freezer paper. Freezer paper. You wanted freezer paper. Look, it's a special freezer paper you can't get in Australia. It's special. Freezer paper. Just use freezer bags or no, put in a Tupperware or something or like other. Legit Australian. Oh, come on. No, it's a special you paper. You seriously wanted me to buy paper. A freezer paper. I've got to go to America no, to buy paper. Let me explain something to you, actually. Okay, this is, this, this is, this is funny, right? Listeners, this is Mon, right? This, this is Mon. <laughs> she, she does, she's not satisfied with Australian paper. It's Australian because paper is not good enough. Australian freezer paper doesn't actually do this. With this special Reynolds freezer paper, which you can only get in America. You can print onto it. You stick it in your printer. You print it out. And then you can actually just slap it on top of some fabric and iron it and it irons the ink across. And you can't do this with the Australian freezer paper. And if I go to my local craft shop here in uh, in, uh, in Newcastle, I can purchase freezer paper. Oh, Reynolds. Solved. I can purchase Reynolds freezer paper. Problem I have to solved. pay for it by the centimetre. <laughs> by the centimetre. Whereas you could have gotten me a whole roll for like a buck. <laughs> this is why I wanted you to bring me my own roll. <laughs> I guess it's not Christmas. On that thought, I should have brought a suitcase load back. You should. I have thought about it many times to bring it back a whole bunch and then sell it on eBay because people do that. But you, you pay top dollar for it if you buy it on eBay. So yeah, Americans have no idea how good they have it. Could have paid for my airfare. <laughs> yeah, you could have done. Uh, anyway, we have a wonderful show coming up for you today, dear listener, because we know this because it is actually the delayed broadcast introduction. Yeah, we've already done it. Yeah, so if you want to jump across to the live show, which is actually a way better way to listen to our show, you can go to faithfm.com.au, our website, and just press play on the live stream, or you can go download the TuneIn app for free and search for Faith FM Australia and listen to us there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we've got a great story coming up about a 1920s diet fad that is uh, threatening people's health right now. Mm-hmm. We have another story. Uh, we've got a great in- story with uh, Baron Neustraten, mm-hmm. um, who has lived a truly extraordinary life. Yeah. And uh, what are you talking about, Mon? Oh, I'm talking about some rarities and some health uh, hacks that might or might not work. And yeah, a couple of other things. But mm-hmm. yeah, stay tuned. Be back after this break. Whenever God shines light on me, open my eyes so I can see. When I look up in the darkest night, then I know everything's gonna be alright. In deep confusion, in great despair, when I reach out for him, 
He is there When I am lonely As I can be Then I know that God shines His light on me the idea of North whenever God shines his light here on Faith FM and as we begin the breakfast show we always begin with our quiz and Mon what is our first clue mm-hmm. for our quiz this is a what book am I and it is indeed a book of the Bible so mm-hmm. one of 66 okay so that's, that's a little bit smaller than mm-hmm. yesterday where it was a number yeah true fair enough none, one of uh, a centillion yeah. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> 10, 10 to the power of 600. Okay, so what book am I? Um, this sounds like a nice book because the first clue is the word grace is found most often in this book of the Bible. In fact, a number of 24 times. Mm. Ooh. Do you know what it is? Well, I know it's in the New Testament. Oh, okay. Okay, mm-hmm. it is, yeah. So that reduces the number and I'm going to go with a Pauline epistle. So an epistle by Paul. Not by Paul. So you're just guessing, basically. <laughs> so it's just narrowing it down a little bit. So yeah, no, I don't know it yet. Okay, I'm gonna, I've got a, I've got, I'm gonna bring it down to one of two that I'm gonna guess between, but I'm not gonna announce just yet. 
Okay, good. Okay, so if you think you know the answer, and if you can get the answer before Lyle, you'll get double prizes. The number to call is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. You can text 0491-064-669. And as ever, our clues are up ahead of time on our Instagram. So go to our Insta. It is Live. That's our handle. And you can check out our Insta story where our clues are live for 24 hours. Hmm. So what do you got for positive news this morning? You know, tell oh. us about the uh, the young men uh, found in the cave in Thailand. No, do you want to tell us about that? I think it's all over the news, but uh, been down there for nine days, lost. Oh. Um, and divers have uh, found them, found the whole uh, soccer team alive. And, uh, and now they're in the process of getting some food down there, some medical supplies. Uh, they've got to build up their strength. Um, the cave is, is, is flooded. They are several kilometres from the mouth. And then they have to figure out how they're actually going to get them out. Uh, weakened, obviously, after you know, nine days of no food, um, in, which is pretty much the limit for um, for teenage boys. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got to build up their strength and then try and get them out. So we really still need to be praying for them. Cave diving is one of the most uh, challenging forms of diving for an experienced diver. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, of course, these, these young boys have never done anything like this before. So... Uh, we really, really need to be keeping them and the rescuers in prayer because um, this is a dangerous, dangerous operation for the rescue team that uh, that is working in that cave system. So good news so far. Let's keep praying for them. Amen. Well, I do have some good news, Lyle. It's coming out of Huntington, West Virginia. And uh, and the, the, the headline absolutely caught my attention. It's a town that has cut their uh, rate of drug overdose by more than a half. In less than one year. Oh, wow. And you'll never guess how they did it. They mm. deployed a specific tactic and it's working phenomenally. Could you have to take any guesses as to how a town cuts its drug overdoses in more than half, uh, reduces it by more than half? More police on the streets? Nope. Um, sniffer dogs? Nope. Uh, I don't know. Tell me. I want to know. Compassion. Huh? So literally what they do is uh, they had this problem where they were experiencing a steady climb in drug overdoses and uh, and finally in 2014 it just it just came to a head. They were having so many overdoses and they decided to launch a compassion-based outreach program which has worked so well. It's cut the drug overdoses in less than half of what it was in, in just less than a year. So they have... Well, so are you telling me that people were not calling the medical authorities because they did not have any compassion when somebody overdosed? No, no, no. This is what, this is what they do, right? So they have uh, QRT, which is a quick response team. It's a rotating group of paramedics, mental health specialists and police officers. And what they do is after they have someone who has overdosed, so an overdose survivor, mm-hmm. they check up on them within 72 hours of their overdose. And that's what they do. And they found out that they discovered that, you know, when addicts and troubled patients are visited by city officials, you know, who express concern over their predicament, they're actually more likely to get better and seek treatment because they feel that somebody cares. So then basically what you've got with overdose victims is that they are repeat victims and and it's stopping the repeat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But but this is wow. That's mind this, blowing. But this is the thing. Like when when the person is addicted to drugs, it rarely just affects them. It affects their their yeah. their you know their, their sphere of influence. Oh, absolutely. So if you have like a mother who's addicted, their family, usually their, their friends, kids their end kids. up addicted. So yeah. if you can if you can prevent one person from going down that track, you can usually prevent you know the, the people around them going down that track. So this is not just you know preventing repeat uh, overdoses. This is 
changing the the landscape of their town, you know, through their people. So um, the, these first responders, the QRT, you know, they're turning up and they're and they're and they're speaking to them. They're expressing concern. They're you know, checking up on them, making sure they're right after their overdose ordeal, seeing how they're going. And the people have said stuff like this. So. Um, this is the first time that someone has cared enough to come and do this. You've saved my life. Thank you. So mm. It's just something as simple as that. And, um, you know, and there's a, there's a healthcare worker, her name's Karen Yost, and she told um, the other uh, newspaper, you know, these people, are, they're now beginning to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Will you stop and think about it a moment? You know, if, if you were unwell and in bed and recovering from something and one of the local coppers turned up to see how you were going, it mm. would make you feel kind of special, wouldn't it? Absolutely. You would definitely you know, feel random, a lot more love. Some random... Um, person from the local government who you didn't really know, mm-hmm. I would feel really special. Yeah, same, same. And this is, I think this comes back to, um, you know, we aren't, a man is on an island, we are, we're, we're a community mm-hmm. and we need to have that sense of community to be uh, completely healthy in my opinion, um, you know, mentally healthy and physically healthy and all that kind of stuff. Emotionally healthy as well, we need to have a sense of community. And this is something that God created when he created a church for us to attend, right? Mm-hmm. He made the church family, a church body that we can be part of and I think it's um, – a, a part of you know, when people get separated from a community and then become isolated, you know, through the use of a, you know, drugs, becoming addicted to drugs, and they don't have that that support system anymore, hmm. and uh, and then you know they end up going down these sad trails, and then yeah, so it's it's amazing that they're just using, I guess, the power of friendship mm-hmm. to uh to stop drug overdose in its tracks. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm awesome news. Yeah, I know. I'm really impressed by it. But let me tell you some other news really quickly. Um, so this is a bit closer to home. Guess what? I didn't even know this existed, but they have spotted a rare black kookaburra in Western Australia for the, the first sighting in absolutely decades. Did you know that there was such a thing? I've never heard of a black kookaburra. Here's a picture. Check that out. Oh, that's cool. He's all black. He's he looks all like black. A, he looks like a crow, but he's not a crow. He's a kookaburra. He's the shape of a kookaburra with the colouring of a crow. A little bit, bit greyer, maybe? Yeah, I think it's just a picture. Yeah, he's but all black. He's got he is little stunning. Bit he's beautiful. He's got a black beak and black feet. He looks like one of those Lamborghini chickens. Have you heard so, of the Lamborghini chickens? No. They're these chickens that they've bred them heard to be completely black. Even their flesh, when you eat them, they're black. So, yeah, but it's super expensive. Expensive, it's like super, super expensive. But this looks like a. Like I bet a lamb- they taste just the same as any other chicken. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but this is like a Lamborghini kookaburra because like everything about it. It's got a couple of grey flecks on his wings. Um, so is this like a albino, like it's a normal kookaburra that's just turned out black, mm. or is this a different species of kookaburra that hasn't been seen for a very long time? Yeah, it's a different species that hasn't been seen for a very long time. So there was there was a farmer, a guy called Angus Robinson, uh, in Coolup, and uh, he was outside and he saw it on a fence, and he was like. He said to himself, I saw this black bird on the garden shed and I said to my wife, crikey, that looks like a kookaburra. And I knew it was by the beak. <laughs> and so he grabbed it. He's such a great bogan <laughs> accent right thanks. there. Well, I mean, maybe he isn't a bogan, but he's out in the country of WA. But so he ran inside, he grabbed a camera and uh, he took a picture. And um, and this is, and he took a couple of pictures actually. Here's another one, but it, which is amazing because oh, you wow. know it's one thing to see it and report it. It's another thing to actually have oh, photographic absolutely. evidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so scientists are just over the moon about this. Um, the last time they saw one documented black kookaburra was 1951. Wow. Uh huh. So it's been it's been a while. It's I been didn't in hiding know. ever since, breeding out quietly, breeding away, and surviving and hiding from. Um, everybody. I wonder if it's just been hiding in plain sight and oh. people are like, oh yeah, there goes a crow. Sorry, I've been corrected. Um, 
it is a color mutation. Like this is this here is a picture of an albino cat kookaburra. Okay. Yeah, but they said um, it's uh, an upset of the production of pigment, and uh, and the black ones are way rarer than the albino ones. Twenty wow. times as rare. So that's yeah. still awesomely cool. That yeah. is still just amazingly cool. Apparently, right you can get black birds from other species groups as well, but not kookaburras. So that's why they are more rare. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it's, it's actually really pretty. I kind of like it. I yeah. don't. I wouldn't mind if we had some more of those. Absolutely. Let's, yeah. Um, maybe we've got to figure out how to breed more black kookaburras. And I'm going to give you one last throwaway story here. Did you know that you could potentially treat your sunburn with shaving cream? (laughs) (laughs) So I've got a man here. uh, I will check out the the before and after pictures. Turns out if you you have to get menthol foaming shaving cream and if you smear it on your back and apparently it... Or on your sunburn. Yeah, it heals your sunburn. There you go. There's Mon's tip for the day. If you've tried that, let me know, by the way. Yeah, I would love to know whether it actually works or not. (laughs) This is Caitlin Clampett. Love lifted me. Waves 
crashing waves He will never leave you Jesus saves, Jesus saves He will lift you from the crashing waves Crashing waves He will never leave you Jesus saves, Jesus saves He will lift you from the crashing waves Crashing waves Welcome back. That was Caitlin Clampett with Love Lifted Me here on Faith FM. And Mon, what's our next clue for our quiz? What book am I? I'm going to give you a quote from this book. But they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. Oh, I know exactly where that is. I can yeah. even give you the chapter for yeah, that one. No, 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 calm down. Pipe down there. Okay, if you know the answer, give me a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. It was one of the two that I was thinking it would be, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> you a smarty pants. <laughs> well, at least we don't have to give two prizes away this morning. Yeah. Okay, so I'm on the uh, ketogenetic diet. Oh. The ketogenetic, the latest big fat. And dieting. Yeah. What's your opinion? You, you're it's somebody who studies nutrition and diets and all this uh-huh. kind of stuff. No, the keto diet is just nonsense. It's just absolute nonsense. Do you realize how big of a fad this is right now? Of course it's a fad. This is a, this is a massive fad. In fact, it's got so big that um, pharmacists are unable to get consistent supplies of keto strips that diabetics use to be able to avoid ketosis and obviously dying. Yeah, and, and so we've, we've now got um, quite a number of diabetics that are being hospitalised simply because mm-hmm. they're not able to get the, uh, the, the the keto strips that they need. Um, in fact, pharmacists are saying that they've been un- unable to buy them in bulk for the last six months simply because the supply is not there. And uh, yeah, just uh, uh, causing amazing health risks within our community. We don't know of anyone who's actually died as a result of this yet, but certainly a number of people have been hospitalised. Yeah, it's, and this is a stupid thing. Like it hasn't even been shown to prevent or control or reverse type two diabetes in the long run. This is the problem with all diets, Lyle. They all actually work. Every diet will work. Yeah, well, you look, Short at this, term. you look at the keto diet, right? It's okay, a disaster. So, so um, the, the, the idea is that yeah, is high protein pushes the body into ketosis, burns fat instead of carbs. Um, but, you know, the keto diet, you've got 50 grams of carbs per day. So that's the equivalent of a slice of bread, half a cup of rice and one piece of fruit. Anybody on that kind of diet is going to lose the weight. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, it's it's like, a, seriously? It's, this is the thing. It's actually a form of starvation. And any diet will work because your body is 
often when you go on these crazy diets, right, your body is going into a, into a form of shock and then you start losing weight. You're like, oh my goodness, this works. It's amazing. What you don't realize is it's not going to work long term. You're gonna you're heading for disastrous long-term health results. Keto diet in a nutshell is low-carb, high-fat and they're claiming it works. And this is like for any Christian, you should immediately throw this diet out the window because they're claiming it's based on like our ancestors and stuff. So if it's based on evolution, yeah, why you, do you know that it's rubbish from the get go? We know this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and this is a crazy thing. There's no population in history that has ever thrived. And I use the word thrived on a low carb, high fat diet. Yeah. It's just, it's just bizarre. Every time but anyway, someone if says- you, If you really want to find a good diet, just read Genesis chapter one, yeah. problem solved. Yeah. You know, right there. That's the original exactly. diet given to human beings. It is not complicated. It is not- You don't have to have a science degree to understand it. Just read the Bible and it's as simple Anytime as that. Anytime someone says Plant-based keto, diet. do you know what I think of? What? I think your poor arteries, your arteries, your arteries, your arteries. Have a thought- for your poor arteries. <laughs> I thought you just think of arteries just being clogged because of the high fat content in this diet. Uh, well, as they say, this is going to be the problem is going to be solved when the fad passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's going to take a while for the fad to pass because it is a big one at the moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, during that time, diabetics are going to be in trouble. Yeah. And they're being advised to stock up whenever and whether they, when they can on um, keto um, test strips. Because uh, the supply is simply not going to be there until what, the next fad comes through. What exactly is a keto test strip? I, I haven't even heard of it's that. A, it's a urine test strip that oh. um, diabetics need it. Okay, so it's nothing to do actually specifically with the keto no, diet. No, the keto, the keto people are just trying to figure out whether their diet's working or not. So they get these keto strips to test. Oh, their, okay. For a second, there, I thought it was like some sort of keto labeled branded. And I'm like, yeah. that's handy that the keto diet people no, are, have no. a branded item that they're suddenly running out of stock of. Yeah, it's, just, it's just a, uh, it's one of those things that um, diabetics need to have on hand. And uh-huh. They're not able to because, you know, they start to feel off. They go to the chemist and they can't buy any because they're just simply not there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, this is the cycle, you know, 15 to 20 years of uh, demonizing fat, halfway through the next 15 to 20 years of demonizing carbs, you know, the next the next thing that's going to come along, we are hoping is going to be um, alcohol, but it'll probably be protein. Yeah. Um, and those are your three main big ones, and it will cycle in a 15 to 20 year cycle. The keto diet has a 50 year cycle, it began in the 1920s, came back in the 1970s, it's back again now. Um which, you know, it, it sort of, as, as soon as I hear about, you know, something that uh, was a fad that is totally unbiblical mm. um, and arose from, you know, the 1920s and I yeah. think about medical science in the 1920s. Oh, I know, right? But all, this, all these diet cycling, it's actually a, um, it's a testament to the human nature. We just want a quick fix. Yeah. We, we just, don't want a lifestyle yeah, change. Exactly. We just want the only fix. diet that's ever going to be effective mm-hmm. is a lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. You don't go on a diet to lose weight. You change your lifestyle because your current lifestyle is one that is um, causing you to be overweight. Yeah, and, and you just find a healthy lifestyle, and and you, uh, the Bible gives you a healthy lifestyle. Do you know what spiked this recent interest in keto diet? The fact that um, you know so many of our health uh, organizations were saying that high fat is bad for you, right? Mm-hmm. And then the, and then they looked at the stats and they were like, okay. So so people have been trying to low fat, but it's not working because everyone's still gaining weight. So let's chuck that out the window and try high fat. And that's, that's like that's their basis. And it's so stupid because do you know what? Yeah, people might be trying to do low fat and still be gaining weight because there's so much more to gaining weight. You could like eating a low fat diet and not be exercising or eating tons of sugar and you'd still gain weight. So chucking out the low fat just because you're still gaining weight is is not is not sound yeah, it's evidence. Just, it's just... It's just- 
Find a balance. Mm-hmm. Read what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 and your problem is solved. Um, so I did some research to find out where medical science was in the 1920s. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah. This oh, is yeah. Not, this is a 1920s diet, so this I thought this would be, be fun. fun. <laughs> this would be so much fun. Okay, so we'll start with um, <coughs> urine therapy, mm-hmm. um, which was to um, for teeth whitening, skin protection, acne cure, strep throat, and broken bones, to name a few. <laughs> so there you go. What? Just collect it and drink it. Um, problem solved. Then you've got Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup for children. So if you've got a child that is um, suffering with uh, going through the teething stage or they're just an annoying two-year-old, you give them <laughs> Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup, which would definitely soothe them because it has a cocktail including morphine, cannabis, heroin, <gasps> powdered opium and several what? other crazy things. So, yes, I think they would be... Dead calm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is horrifying. Uh, don't think we need to talk about mercury, but let's go on to uh, this one here. This uh, uh, f- You're the German here, so you can pronounce this one for me. Um, <coughs> that word right there. Farben, Farben drinken. <laughs> 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 and this, of course, is cough syrup, but it's called heroin. <laughs> of course, that's, that's going to be good for coughs, isn't And this it? is where we're taking our dietary advice from. Yes, the 1920s. Oh, okay, mercy. this one, the next one here, the next one um, actually leaves me um, just emotionally scarred even <laughs> looking at it, this particular piece of torture. <laughs> okay, this, this instrument of torture is Dr. Sandon's electric belt and suspensory for weak men to cure impotence. Oh no! I I know. <laughs> so, so basically, what you do is you you wrap this belt around you, which then has a an electric wire that hangs off it that uh, hangs down the front to deal with the obvious if you're suffering from impotence, and you run electric shock through it, and that's going oh to my um, goodness solve everything for you. Oh it says a never failing cure for weakness in men. <laughs> this is horrifying. Well, this is the kind of voodoo that was going around in the nineteen yeah. twenties. Yeah, electrocute your your manhood, and you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going back to a keto diet from that. Should we talk about lobotomies? I mean, they were famous through that yeah. era. <laughs> yeah. You know, basically get two um, two pieces of steel, run them through your eye sockets. Um, once they get into the frontal cortex of the brain, hit them with a hammer, mm. pull them back out, and that's going to f- solve all of your mental illness. So you're, you're, you've got mental illness. There's an illness in your brain, so you cure that by smashing a part of your brain. Oh, my goodness. You know, Humans uh, are so <laughs> silly. This is why we need the Bible. The Bible has spelled it out quite clearly. You know, The Bible advocates a low-fat, plant-based, high-fiber diet, mm-hmm. and it works. It's worked since oh, its conception it, all the way to now. Absolutely. Ask any you know uh, medical professional. Nobody's going to tell you that that's going to give you any problems whatsoever yeah, at exactly. all. Yeah, you exactly. Know? The keto diet is actually um, linked. Like it has, I think it's like an, on average about a 15% increase in like almost all cardiovascular diseases. I can't believe how popular it is. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm reading here in this, in this news article about this guy who, um, who was hospitalized because of his diabetes because he couldn't get keto strips to uh, test his keto levels. But he goes into the, into the pharmacy and, and, and the day before a man had walked in and bought the pharmacy out of keto strips because of his keto diet. Well, it's in his infancy and it only f- focuses right now on short-term results. So, Steer clear. We'll be back in just a moment with an interview with Baron Neustraten. Mm. Letting go of every single dream 
was Lauren Daigle with Trust in You here on Faith FM. And Mon, we got another clue for our quiz. Yes, we, uh, indeed. So this is a What Book Am I quiz? And the clue is terms such as glorified, justified, redemption, sanctified, called, predestined, and atonement are all found in this book. Mm-hmm. That narrows it down quite a bit. That does narrow it down mm-hmm. quite a bit. And uh, our special guest who is joining us now, I, I, I would I would think would probably be able to guess which book that is, but um, don't don't say it, Barand, if you know the answer, because we're leaving it for our our, our callers to uh, to guess what book this is. But Barand, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lyle. Now, Barand is, uh, um, is somebody who's lived a most extraordinary life, um, in quite a number of different places on our planet. 
And uh, so, Baron, you've got a little bit of an accent. Just just begin by telling uh, us where you uh, where you originally come from. Born and raised in Holland, mm-hmm. and born and raised in the Dutch Reformed Church, which is Calvinistic. Yes. And uh, yeah, then at the, the age of about twenty one, twenty two, travelled, lived in Israel. And uh, then New Zealand, and now here in Australia. Now, just starting off in that whole journey, there you mentioned that you were um, raised in uh, the Calvinistic Church. Were your were your family were they devout Calvinists or uh, yeah. yeah, right, okay, yeah, fairly strict Calvinist as well. And mm-hmm. then yeah, yep, correct, yep. fantastic. And you leave home at the age of what was it, twenty one, and travel to Israel. What was it that yeah. inspired you to go to Israel? Yeah, look, I always had an interest in the origins, of course, of, of the Judeo-Christian, uh, you know, beliefs, even though I doubted at the time, and I, I, I clearly did not adhere to it so much anymore. But I wanted to see the places, basically, that the Bible so much uh, speaks about. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is uh, what, what drew me to it. And uh, I meant to go only for two months, but at uh, 1967, 1968, I was there. Mm-hmm. So that was what, for about 12 months all up then? Yeah, a bit longer actually, yeah. yeah. Now, what were, you, what were you months. doing in Israel? Obviously, you know, as a, as a, young, uh, as a young person, how did you, what were you, you were working there or um, how were you supporting well, yourself at like, that time? like this. I ran out of money fairly quickly, so I decided I took over a shop in the old city of Jerusalem on the way to the Wailing Wall, made a deal with the Arab who owned it, and uh, made it uh, into a little gallery. He used to do portraits and uh, the little popular spots that everybody knows, the tourist sites, and used to put them on black and white particularly. Did some oils. Um, yeah, I was basically an artist for the time that I was there and earned the money that way. Okay, so in the late 1960s, what was the uh, what was the climate like in Israel at that time? In Jerusalem, tell us about living in Jerusalem, um, in in Israel in the in the in the late 1960s. Yeah, once the six day, uh, you know, the, the five day war, 1967 was the war, and uh, Israel occupied for the first time the old city of Jerusalem, and I lived particularly in the Palestinian quarter, and uh, <clears throat> very, as I said, close to the Wailing Wall. And it was just a, a fascinating time learning about the uh, the different cultures, and uh, the tensions, of course, were very high from mm. time to time. As you it's can imagine, hard. yeah, still are. It never really settled, did it? Mm. Sad. Yeah. But a very, a very interesting place. Uh, I did travel around Israel and uh, you know the various kibbutzims and what have you. But uh, it's the old city that impressed me more than anything else. Mm, mm. Now, you mentioned that when you went there, you were questioning, you know, obviously your religious upbringing, um, you know, God, all these kind of things. What, yeah. what impact did living in Jerusalem, living in Israel have on you from a religious, spiritual perspective as a young man? It's interesting, uh, that question, Lyle. What happened is that when you look uh, at the sites that are known, uh, by all the tourists and everybody in all the church groups that go there. The one objectionable thing I found was the commercialism about uh, religion. Mm-hmm. And uh, it did not help me in any spiritual journey other than to recognize the various uh, aspects of the various religions. And I, I learned a lot, particularly about the local people mm-hmm. and uh, and their plight, like the Palestinian plight and, of course, the Jewish plight. So... 
Uh, we were <coughs> brought up very pro-Jewish, but I learned uh, there was another side to the whole story by the Palestinians. So it wasn't so much religious. The the only time, uh, Lyle, that I felt that I was really in the, the land of the Bible was near the, the Sea of Galilee. Right. And the peacefulness down there was just magnificent. And, and and that's where I felt that wouldn't I just love to see Jesus face to face, like they used to in the olden days. And, uh, yeah, that is where I, I, I felt that desire, which really never left me. Sure, sure. When you were living in Jerusalem, you were living amongst the Palestinians. Now, were these Christian Palestinians or um, Muslim? No, they were Muslims. Right. They were Muslims. And so that yeah, would have then given a you a, uh, a, an insight, I guess, <laughs> into um, the Muslim religion? Yeah, I was very close to the uh, Mosque of uh, Omar, or the Kubrat uh, al as they call it, uh, and the, the, the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Used to go there a fair bit because I was particularly interested in the artifacts, particularly the hand knotted rugs. They were <laughs> so magnificent. Uh, but I, I befriended a few Muslims. There was one particular one. He was a teacher, and we talked a lot about it. And but I could never see uh, uh, what shall I say? Uh, why one could turn to Islam, even though differently, of course, when you're brought up in it, I can understand that. Mm. But I, I found it fascinating, uh, and I realized that there was an insoluble problem in that part of the world, particularly the site of the holy place to the Muslims, which is the third most holy place, that particular site. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the only place where the Jews could rebuild the temple, and uh, and of course resume their temple services. And you knew that uh, neither side would uh, ever settle the, the, the issue, and there would always be a conflict, sadly. Mm, mm, yeah, for sure. Now, you mentioned that, um, you know, being by the Sea of Galilee, it it, um, it inspired you with the thought of wouldn't it be amazing to see Jesus, um, yes, you know, yeah. here. How did you, how did you actually come to Jesus as a young person for yourself? Was that while you were in Israel, or was that further on in your journey? Look, uh, I think the foundations were laid earlier, but when you go to college, etc., you question everything. The, the theory of evolution uh, made a big impact upon me, and I, I believe that, that God used the, the, the facility of, the, uh, of evolution to bring about what is about. Mm. But I did question it uh, through my studies of college years. I had a professor in anatomy and uh, who had a particular interest in in the cellular structure of the human body. And to me, uh, um, sort of uh, studying this, the, the, I realized that evolution could have never found place. Hmm. Uh, and I doubted the whole belief system of the evolution and never quite found the answers, but kept searching. I did want to know the truth. Um, Despite many distractions, there was always that underlying desire to know, just mm. to know mm. what is actually true. Uh, it wasn't until I came to Australia, actually, uh, years later, when someone by the name of John Carter ran this program. And uh, somehow I ended up with a lot of the, the about 30 or tapes, which I played again and again. And then that drove me to the Bible. 
Mm. Uh, and the conflict of the age series written by Ellen G. White, I found it fascinating. Mm-hmm. And uh, checked everything historically. History was always my favorite topic. And I was amazed about the accuracy. And it really, <clears throat> it really fascinated me. Mm. And uh, so I really studied the Bible very strictly for about two and a half years. Um, and uh, that is before I committed myself, yeah. Sure, sure. So that's a little bit later in life. How long did you spend in New Zealand before coming to Australia? I was in New Zealand for a year. Okay. So you're in, in Israel for a year, and then New Zealand for a year, and then uh, came to Australia. And, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. so um, we've, we've only got five minutes left, so we want to hear about what, you, what you've done for God uh, since since coming to God, and, and I guess John Carter playing a, uh, a pivotal role in that experience and um, in, in, yeah. in, in sort of inspiring you to study the Bible more. But yeah. uh, these days you're a, a, church, a church pastor. Yeah, I'm a pastor of uh, two congregations, uh, I'll, I'll give you a brief outline what happened. So in 1987, September, I was uh, I was baptized there at the Warunga Church, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and I became uh, active in the church straight away. I, I read the statement again by the, the author I mentioned, who said that to him who explains, to him it will become plain. Mm. And I figured that the quickest way of learning was to teach. Amen. And uh, so from teaching at what we call the Sabbath school and uh, just uh, getting involved with seminars, running seminars as a lay person, which I did for quite a number of years, working with Pastor Gary Kent of the incredible journey, we, um, yeah, I found that I grew a lot and I learned a lot. And so I became a pastoral assistant and I did that for a number of years, working together with Pastor Gary Kent. And uh, then I became a minister, and then ultimately I was ordained as a pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and I pastored the church of Fountain in the City, mm-hmm. here in Sydney, and we have a church plant in uh, Marubra, which is on the eastern seaboard. Sure, and uh, that church plant there that uh, still meets in uh, Key Street, um, down there in... Um, uh, the Ultimo. Ultimo. <laughs> I'll get there in the end. Yeah, that's correct, Ultimo, yeah. Fantastic. UTS, so the University of Technology and Science. Yeah. So if you're in the Sydney area, just uh, look Barrand up or give us a call. We can give you the details as to where that is. And uh, mm. you would be uh, blessed to head along to uh, either of his churches. Um, Barron's one of the most, um, I would say, one of the most intelligent people that I've come across. And it's been a privilege That's to... a very um, nice thing to say. No, Probably praise God. True, but it's very <laughs> nice <laughs> uh, Now, you've done well, some, just uh, on another thought very quickly, uh, you've done um, a, a number of series of presentations. You mentioned earlier that evolution was something that challenged you as a young person. Yeah. And yeah. now in later yeah. life, as in, in ministry, you've done a number of series on... On, uh, on creation and evolution. Is the concept yeah. of, um, you had this earlier concept of theistic evolution where, you know, God sort of, you know, I guess seeds the mm. world and, and, and then lets it continue. Is that is that possible in any way, shape or form? No. Actually, that, that, that is a much bigger problem with uh, theist uh, uh, evolution, b- believing that God used it as a means. Because not only will you have to prove evolution uh, as a process, even though God might have guided or intervened, uh, that's what they believe. But mm-hmm. uh, it's much easier to be an atheist and deny an existence of God than taking God on board and then and then go contrary against the Bible, which then has to be in its totality to be rewritten. 
um, really. And uh, the, the reality is uh, the absence of the evidence of the process of evolution uh, is painfully obvious. And, in, and, and then obviously in intelligent design and then uh, uh, creation account as given by the Bible, uh, as supernatural as it obviously is, is the only plausible explanation uh, that is to simply no way that evolution as a process could have found place. Sure. And if God had used evolution as a process of creation, what does that say about the character of God, you know, essentially using uh, death to create? That we would be worshipping a very different God. I, I, I found that I, I, I didn't want to know that God. Mm. Using this means it's too cruel, and too inept. I, I could never accept that. So the, the with my studies for the Hebrew language, uh, going over Genesis again and still lecturing a lot on, on Genesis, mm-hmm. the account of Genesis is an absolute literary marvel in itself. And if it was only fully understood, the absolute brilliance of its composition and the accuracy and the veracity are so impressive. Uh, it, it is one of the most fascinating writings and confirming that really the Bible as a whole, and we would concur, is the most accurate document on the face of this planet. Yeah, sure. And I should let our listeners know that um, Baron is is quite an expert in the uh, study of Hebrew and particularly the book of Genesis. Now, Baron, is um, any of that material available online? Yeah, look, if, they, uh, if you go to the, uh, to the website Fountain in the City, just Google it, it'll come up and there are uh, obviously, um, uh, notifications of, of records, of, of sermons, and uh, I will be featuring on a number of them. We have a collection of speakers, and uh, I would invite anybody to do so. Uh, there is certainly a series of creation, on creation by myself, and, and anybody would be very welcome if they came to Sydney to come and visit us and say hi. Fantastic. All right, thank you, Baron. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you on the program today. And uh, we're going to move on at this time with Anna Weather Up, but we'll post up some links for you on our Facebook site. Despised by the world As a 
first attraction for me For the dealer of God Left his glory Your family, your friends, maybe your future. This weekend, Hamilton Adventist Church is hosting presentations on hot topics of climate change, the economy, and living a purpose-filled life. And we want you to join us in sharing your thoughts through roundtable discussion. Discover hope right here at Hamilton Adventist Church beginning 7 p.m. Friday, July 6. For more info, call 0466-693-095 or visit discoverhopeseries.com. See you there. The chisels I've dulled carving idols of stone that have crumbled like sand beneath the waves. I've recklessly built all my dreams in the sand just to watch them all wash away. 
Through another day, another trial, another chance to reconcile To one who sees past all I see And reaching out my weary hand, I pray that you'd understand You're the only one who's faithful to me All the pennies I've wasted in my wishing well I've thrown like stones to the sea I have cast my lots, dropped my guard, searched aimlessly For faith to be faithful to me Through another day, another trial, another chance to reconcile To one who sees past all I see and reaching out my weary hand, I pray that you'd understand You're the only one who's faithful to me You're the only one who's faithful to me You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio